Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy. We'll read there in chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Next week we'll be back in this great book of the Bible. And we've been in a series of messages we're calling This Is Us. We've talked about our mission and our values. We talked about how we exist to glorify God and do His will. We talked about being God-centered and Bible-based and purpose-guided. And last week we talked about being outward-focused. And this morning I want to talk with us about being small group oriented. So yesterday um, I watched sports for a little while. Vicky was doing some other things and I watched uh, a little bit of golf and a little bit of basketball. And I, I'm not sure why I watch golf. I just, those guys are so good. They hit it, you know, down the middle all the time. When I play golf, I spend a lot of my time in the woods looking for golf balls. That's just kind of the way it is for me. But those guys are so talented and so good. But it's an individual sport. I mean, they just, they may have some people who help them. They have a, you know, a caddy. I, I'm not sure exactly what the caddy does. I guess the caddy says to them, don't hit it in the woods. I guess that's their, you know, main advice to them. But they give them advice and have people help them along those ways. But it's, each guy plays individually. It's an individual sport. Basketball, on the other hand, is a team sport. So I watched a little of my beloved Illini and watched uh, some basketball and, and, you you know, it's a team sport. If you're going to be good at it anyway, it takes a team. And, and so I think sometimes in the Christian life, we think that the Christian faith is just an individual activity. And there are many things we do individually. No one, no one can have your devotional life for you, right? Nobody can take your place in time alone with God. I mean, there's individual ways in which we relate to God individually. But we begin to see, we even say things like this. It's a, it's, a, it's a personal thing for me, and it's private. And while there is a personal nature to faith, it's not an individual sport. It's a, if we could use the analogy, it's a team sport. God in heaven is the one who made the church. God in heaven put us together. God in heaven recognizes our need for fellowship. He made us that way. He created us for that. God wants us to to learn and live and serve and grow together. God made that for us. And when we see it that way, we're so much stronger than when we don't. And so if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that, whether you're online or here in person, would you write this principle down? Small groups help us fulfill our mission for God. Small groups help us fulfill our mission for God. We're grateful to all we can do individually and even what we can do corporately, but there's something, a power about being involved with other people and knowing them and caring about them. Uh, you he you'll hear me often here talk about life groups. That's our small group Bible studies we have for preschoolers all the way to senior adults, all ages, where we meet together and grow together. And we do this because we know it helps fulfill our mission for God. God could have done it where we just serve individually and never stay connected at all. But God made us for community, and he made us for fellowship, and he created the church for a reason. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. The Bible says, Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. 
May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much you ministered at Ephesus. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Well, let's talk about some reasons we need other believers, four reasons we need other believers, and I want to encourage you to write these four things down. Four reasons God made the church, God puts us together, God created us with a need for fellowship and four benefits that come from this. Number one, we need others for examples. One of the reasons God puts us together is because we need each other for the examples that we set. Let's go back to the text in verse 13. The Bible says, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in the presence, uh, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he's saying here, we need a pattern. Paul speaking to Timothy says, we need, you need a pattern. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. He's saying, don't just, Timothy, when you're teaching, don't just teach your feelings. Don't just teach what's popular. Don't just say what you think, but you teach the truth. We talked about being Bible-based, how we want, to, we want to find out what God has to say, not just what the world says, not just what the culture says, not just what our feelings may say. And he's saying, you follow that pattern of sound teaching. You saw that pattern of sound teaching, and you study well. Gain the context of those verses. Learn what the Bible is saying. Come to know it for yourself. Understand hermeneutics. Learn some theology. We care about sound teaching. We are grateful that our life group teachers teach, but we care about what they teach as well. We want them to teach the truth, and we want to hold to the pattern of sound teaching, not just feelings, not just, not just what the world may say. What does God have to say? Uh, my mom had a, used to do make clothes. It sounds so odd to this generation, but she would she would make dresses or in my day leisure suits she would make, you know, from and she would get a pattern and she'd lay the cloth out there and she'd cut along that pattern and if she'd cut carefully that pattern she could sew that together and make that into the clothing that she wanted. Well God in heaven is reminding us that he has a pattern for us and he wants us to follow that pattern. And Paul said, Timothy you watched that pattern that I set for you and how I wanted to teach the truth carefully and accurately and clearly. We need a pattern. Also, we need a person. Hold on to this pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me, Paul said. Timothy needed more than just a pattern. Timothy needed the person. He needed Paul. He needed Paul showing him what to do. Now, I am so thankful for the truth, but I don't need to just, not just to know the truth, but I also need to see the truth lived out. I am so grateful for people who have been in my life who can set an example for me, who can sort of show me the truth. I can learn the truth for myself, but people who show me the truth and who set an example for me, we need that person. Do you remember some of you Cardinal fans in the days when Albert Pujols was here years ago? When they, such a great hitter, and he had an unusual kind of batting stance in those years when he was playing, and he'd kind of raise his hands up and drop them several times before he'd swing. And I, I noticed during that time, lots of the little leaguers and junior hires and high school students for that matter would follow that same pattern that same example that they didn't hit like albert pujols necessarily but they followed the same uh, example they tried to look like him well god in heaven puts people in our lives as imperfect examples of what jesus is like so i need to know well, how should i live my faith at work or how do i live my faith in 
school or what, how do I handle adversity or deal with success or whatever it might be. And people, God puts people in our lives who set that example for us because we need a pattern. We need a person, but we also need a prototype, I'm calling it. The Bible says, um, hold to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Because Paul and Timothy and me and you will be imperfect examples. But we have the perfect example in the Lord Jesus himself. So he's saying, when, Paul said in another place, follow me as I follow the Lord Jesus. As I follow the Lord Jesus. Because ultimately, our example is not just a person, even a good person, but it's Jesus himself. And as they follow Jesus, we can follow them. But Jesus is our ultimate example. He's the only perfect one. He's the only perfect example. And so Paul says, Timothy, listen, I want you to have sound teaching. You saw it in me, but it's in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You live by faith. You live by love. And that's found in Jesus himself. And you need him. And I've needed it in my life. I've needed patterns that have helped me to do the right thing. I've needed people in my life, and I've needed the Lord himself. And God has put those in my life. I am so thankful as I look back on life every uh, example along the way that I had. I'm thankful for those life group teachers when I was a little kid. I don't know that they were so thankful to have me in their class, but I'll just tell you this, I was thankful to have them as my teachers. And even as a little boy, they would teach me about the things of God. Man, was I, I'm so thankful for people like that. Or in those teenage years when I just needed somebody to kind of show me a little of what it's like to follow Jesus in a difficult time of life i had some examples who were there for me or in my college years when i made some of the most critical decisions of my life to have some godly examples who were setting a pattern and showing me what it was like to follow the lord man I, and on into my early adult years when i had pastors and people who poured into me and loved me and cared for me and prayed for me and set examples for me and on and on and listen i don't think there's ever going to come a day when i don't need a, an example of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. I need some patterns that show me the, to follow the truth, but I need some people who are living out that truth. And ultimately, I need those people to be pointing me to the only perfect example there is, the Lord Jesus himself. And we need some examples. And one of the reasons God has you in this place is because he wants you to have some examples and he wants you to be an example for somebody. And for good or bad, someone's watching you, for good or for bad, and saying, oh, oh so that's what it's like to be a Christian, for good or for bad. And I am thankful that God has placed some people in my life who gave me some good examples and pointed me to the ultimate example of the Lord himself. One of the reasons God puts us, one of the reasons we need other believers is because we need examples. There's a second reason we need other believers and we need others for challenges. One of the things God does through other people is to challenge us. Sort of like um, Paul here is challenging Timothy. He's telling Timothy what to do, and he's encouraging Timothy and pushing him forward and challenging him, sort of like a coach that pushes you and makes you do what you don't think you can do, like a teacher, like a really effective teacher who's teaching you the truth but really challenging you to live that out, to do your best, to study harder. That's what, that's what we need other people in our lives to do. They challenge us. They don't just always agree with us. They don't just tell us what we want to hear, but they 
tell us what we need to hear. And they challenge us to be what we need to be, what we could be. Notice how Paul challenges Timothy here. In verse 14, he tells Timothy to guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, God, when he, when he gives you new life in Christ, when you trust Christ as Savior, God lives in you. And you become God's child, and you're born again, and you're adopted into God's family, and you should guard that good deposit. God gives you the truth. Well, how, Timothy might have asked, would I guard that good deposit? Through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Timothy is being reminded by Paul, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And there are going to be times when it doesn't seem easy in life, but you guard that good deposit, and God, the Holy Spirit, living in you will help you to do that. God has given you every opportunity. He's given you his word. He's given you opportunities. He's, he, he's called you to ministry. He, he's provided you gifts and abilities and talents. Now you guard that, and the Holy Spirit in you will accomplish his purposes through you. Be on guard. And then he tells him in chapter 2 and verse 1 to be strong. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He knew that Timothy was going to feel weak sometimes and that he was going to need some strength, and that he was going to find strength through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The forgiveness God gives to us is the means by which we gain strength. We don't have to live, you don't have to live defeated by sin. Did you know that? You don't have to live under the burden of sin. You can find victory in life. God wants you to be strong, and Paul is saying to Timothy, you be strong. And how, how do you do that? Through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he's saying to us, you be strong. We, we need to have an encourager along the way like that. We need someone who would challenge us in the Holy Spirit. When I was a 14-year-old, I decided I was going to go out for football, freshman in high school, the summer before my freshman year in high school. And so the coach would have all of us guys come up and lift weights. We'd all come lift weights together. I'd never really lifted weights in my life. And, I, man, I found out pretty quickly there were... Um, I never really got strong, but I got less weak. Maybe that's the right way for me to say it. Just got a little less weak. And I found there were muscles I didn't know I had, and I got sore. And, it was, and I could learn from those older guys who had gone a little further down the line. You know, it's going to get better. You start maybe get a little bit, you know, less weak, a little bit stronger. Be a little bit, you know, you learn how to do some things better. And all through the next years, as I'd lift weights, I had people who would lift weights with me and they would encourage me and they would challenge me and they were like a you know kind of coach you and and they'd push you and push you and push you and when you when you thought you couldn't do another you couldn't lift one more time they'd say come on just one more give me one more and man there was a power to that and God in heaven puts people in our lives who say to us in effect come on give me one more you've got more in you than you think you've got more in you than you think God the Holy Spirit lives in you Grace comes from the Lord Jesus. You can accomplish what you don't think you can accomplish. You can overcome in ways that you might not see. You don't have to stay a victim. You don't have to stay bound by sin. God wants to give you victory in Christ. And, and he's saying to you, you can do more. And so they're saying to us over and over, give me one more. Dig a little deeper. Do more than you think you can. Stay at this. Persevere. And God blesses us through that. And one of the reasons God puts people in our lives is because we need others for challenges. There's a third principle. I want you to write this down, would you? We need others for encouragement. And so much. This is so important. And we all need encouragement. And I didn't say some. 
I said we all need encouragement. Notice what the Apostle Paul himself says. Verse 15. You know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me. And he even names names, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. So he's saying, I'm just going through a difficult time. And I had poured my life into the churches in Asia. And when I needed them, they weren't there. And I felt deserted and alone. And I felt like nobody in the world cared. Do any of you know what that's like? This, this generation is more alone, more lonely, more isolated, and more in need of encouragement than any generation I think America has, America has ever known. And maybe you thought that's, that you're the only one. I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul understood that. And one of the reasons we need each other is because we live in a fallen, broken world. And Paul, when he went to prison, because he was following Jesus, thrown in a prison cell for doing the right thing, and he felt so isolated and so alone. I, I, some years ago, I was talking to a widow in our church. And she said to me, it's been 10 years since Jack passed away. And I said, I can't believe it's been that long. And she said, I can She had never forgotten a day. She knew what it was like to be lonely and hurting and isolated. She knew what pain was like, sorrow. And she's not the only one. And there is every, every person needs encouragement. And one of the reasons God puts us together is because we are all in this fallen, broken life together. If we live long enough, we face pain and sorrow and separation we're living in a generation where people have been more isolated and lonely where they have felt abandoned and deserted more than ever and we need encouragement but not only do we all need encouragement we all therefore need an encourager and so i want to call you back to the text in verse 16 to a man named onesiphorus the bible says paul says may the lord grant mercy to the household of onesiphorus I'm not sure why he says household of Onesiphorus. It's possible that Onesiphorus, we know almost nothing about this man except this little bit in the text here. It's possible that he had passed away even. We're not sure. But the, he says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. And here's why. Because he often refreshed me. Paul's saying, I was, man, I was so hot. He was like a cool breeze. I was thirsty and he was like a cold drink of water he often refreshed me and the bible says and he was not ashamed of my chains when others abandoned me maybe they were worried they would find themselves in prison themselves or they're embarrassed to go through that kind of difficulty or to or to have to travel that far to see me he was not ashamed of my chains on the contrary verse 17 says when he was in rome he diligently searched for me and found me i wasn't easy to find he's saying there was no database about the local prisoners. But this man Onesiphorus looked for me diligently until he found me. And verse 18, he says, May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him on that day. And then he says to Timothy, You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. Timothy, you remember Onesiphorus? Back in our days in Ephesus, 
when that guy was in the church and he was an encourager there and how I could depend upon him and how he poured himself into the work and ministry there. Man, I needed a guy like Onesiphorus. You know, Onesiphorus is not, we don't know Onesiphorus. We don't name our little children Onesiphorus. You know, we don't honor his memory. But one day in heaven, we're going to see a guy like that and be reminded of how much that matters, how much we need an encourager. And I want to remind you of these two things. You need to have an encourager in your life. You need an Onesiphorus in your life. And you need to be an Onesiphorus in the life of somebody else. There's some widow who has never forgotten one moment of those 10 years. There's someone who's going through difficulty and challenges and problems. This has happened to me so many times. Someone has, in our church family, has some life crisis. A death in the family some heartbreak or sorrow. And I stop by, or Skip does, one of the pastors on staff stops by and sees them, and, and man, the life group's already there. They're already there. Those are the people who know them. Those are the people who care about them, who love them, who are invested in their lives, and they're already there. And they're encouraging, and they're loving, and they're helping. And well, listen, somewhere down the line, if you live long enough, you are going to need an Onesiphorus in your life. One of the reasons I talk so often about life groups, you get tired of hearing me encourage people to be in life groups, is because I know somewhere, if you live long enough, you're going to need someone like that in your life. You're going to go through a hard time. You're going to go through a difficult challenge. You're going to feel isolated and alone. And you're going to need someone in your life. And more than that, someone is going to need you in their life. Someone is going to need you in their life because they're going to go through a difficult moment or they're going to go through some terrible challenge and they're going to feel so isolated and alone and maybe you can't understand or empathize with all they're going through but just by being there you're saying i care you're going to you're going to be like onesiphorus in their life we don't even know that onesiphorus said any magical words you know maybe he didn't know what to say maybe he didn't know how to say it to paul i mean what what do you say to the apostle paul what, what, what do you say to a guy who's facing such difficulties? But just by being there, there was an encouragement to his life. And God puts us together for these reasons. And it's one of the reasons why small groups matter so much. I'm thankful for the crowd. And I'm thankful for the individual parts of faith. But we need each other. Someone who knows our name and knows our needs and cares about us. And someone we know about and someone we care about and someone we can pour into. And so we need each other for encouragement. But there's a fourth principle I want you to note with me, a reason why God puts us together, a reason why we need other believers. We need others for effectiveness, for effectiveness. And the Bible talks to us here about how important it is that we do life together. Go with me to, back to the text, back to chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul says, you therefore, my son, remember, he cared deeply about Timothy. He wanted the best for Timothy. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 2, he sort of tells him a little of how that can happen. In verse 2, he says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So he gives us here the pattern of effectiveness. He's saying, I want you to teach others who teach others who teach others. That's what I want you to do, Timothy. I've taught you so you can teach others who will teach others who will teach others. 
Sometimes in the American church, we've come to a terribly wrong confusion and conclusion about what the church is to be about. And we say, well, we hire some pastor to do ministry for us. When the Bible says the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that is, the Bible is saying all of us who name the name of Christ are to be involved in ministry. And one of my jobs is to equip all of us to do the work of the ministry, because that's for all of us. And so I'm to teach others who teach others who teach others. You, a part of your job is to teach others who will teach others who will teach others. We might say it like this. God in heaven wants us to learn to multiply our ministry. Not just addition, not just you get one person and then somewhere down the line, they go. you just keep multiplying ministry. He's saying four generations here, Paul to Timothy to others who will teach others. And it just begins to multiply and widen. And it's the reason God in heaven used this little ragtag group of people to change the world because they were doing ministry together, multiplying ministry. And may I note for us that we are stronger together. We are stronger together than we could ever be separately. We can do so much more together than we could do separately. Our mission's impact is so much stronger together. Every year we go to Cuba and Siberia and Uganda and other places as the Lord leads. And our mission's impact is so much greater because of our work together. Our next generation ministries is so much stronger together. As we teach little preschoolers, may I say how thankful I am to those who teach our preschoolers and our children. I'm praying for more. As more come back every week, we're praying for more workers who will join us in that great field and teach the next generation and they teach our teenagers in those critical years, critical years of life. We need people who will pour their lives into others. We, we do so much more together with singles. I've loved to see one of the joys of my heart in this last year has been to see the work of God in our singles. Our, youngest sing, our young single adults have grown and um, gathered, and I'm thankful for this group of them that gather together every week. They they come early, they go to life groups, they stay late, they, I don't know how long they stay, but when I leave on Sunday mornings, they're still in here gathering and talking and doing what singles do. I'm so grateful for that. And I, I love the, that we are stronger together in evangelistic impact, that together we can see people come to know Christ as Savior and follow Him as Lord. I love to see people coming to know Christ as Savior and following believers' baptism and growing in their faith. And there's a power to that as we witness together and share the gospel together. There's a power in our cultural impact as we discover more of the light of God and we become light in this dark, dark culture. We work together to grow in faith. And the more we gain of the light of the Lord Jesus in our lives, the brighter we shine in a culture that's increasingly dark. We can do more together. We multiply our ministry together. We're stronger together. We're more effective than we could ever be. God puts us in the church because it brings so much effect and energy together. In 2001, uh, the U.S. Army came up with a new slogan. It was an army of one. An army of one. They didn't keep it that long. They replaced it with um, army strong. And then I think the new... I think the new slogan now is going to be join the Air Force instead. I think that's what the, I think that's the new slogan that they're coming out with. They haven't, you know, rolled that out fully yet. But Well, an army of one, uh, that didn't last that long. And part of it, part of the reason it didn't last that long is because 
I mean, I know, I, I get what they're trying to do, but there's no army of one. You can't, you can't have an army of one. I mean, it takes, a, it takes an army to have an army. And there's an army of people behind the army doing logistics and transport and all that has to happen for an army to serve effectively. I mean, it takes a, it just takes, there's no individual sport. It's a team effort. And when it comes to faith, it's not a, it's not a church of one. one we go to, to the Lord individually. We have our quiet time alone with God, each of us, but we're in this together. God puts us together for a reason. We use our gifts and our talents and our resources together. We are stronger together than we could ever be separately. God puts us together. I know it's, listen, I know it's easier for some than others. Some struggle. It's harder for some to be in a, in a, in a group than it is for others. Or some who are, by personality, it's, it's easier to do the easy thing. Can I tell you, it's easier not to lift weights than it is to lift weights. You know, it's easier not to play football than it is to play football. It's easier not to, uh, you, you, it's, it's easier not to work than to work. It's easier not to have a quiet time, quiet time than to have a quiet time. It's easier not to go to a life group than to get in a life group. It's easier not to get connected with other people than it is to get connected. But God does that for a reason. There's a power to it and a strength to it. And God asks us to do some hard things because he recognizes the benefit and the strength that come with that. And I'm telling you, church, that there's a power to our strength together. So much so that the Lord Jesus tells us the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's how powerful God's work is when we serve together. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And as we pray, some of you are here who need to be saved. Or you're watching online, you need to give your life to Christ. And I want to ask you today to repent of your sins and place your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. He died on the cross for you and rose from the grave for you. And receive him as Savior and he'll save you. And you can give your life to Christ right where you are. Trust him as Savior and be born again, adopted into his family. But Christian, I want to talk to you about doing your part. And the church is a, it can be a hard thing, filled with imperfect people. Don't, all, all of us imperfect. It can be difficult and challenging. But there is a power and a strength to God's way. And God made the church for a reason. And I wonder if you wouldn't say, God, I want to do my part. I want to use my gifts, my abilities, my talents, my resources for your glory. God, I want to let you bless me through others as they set examples for me and challenge me and encourage me and help me to be more effective. But Lord, I also want to do my part. I want to be the one who's helping to be an example, helping to be a challenge, helping to bring an encouragement, helping to make others more effective. Lord, would you help me to do my part? Because we are stronger together than we could ever be separately. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power and truth it teaches us. Thank you for the hope it provides. Thank you for the church, this institution of imperfect people who gather around a perfect Savior for a purpose beyond ourselves bigger than we are, about more than us. And we thank you for this. And so, Lord, we ask you to use us and guide us and strengthen us and help us to be all you want us to be together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.